Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Well, friends, we are continuing with our series on hope and also this series of staff stories. Uh, Today, I sit down with intern Rita Argus to hear a little bit more of her story, but in particular to talk about this Advent theme of hope. Rita has some incredible insights, as she always does when she comes on the podcast. Uh, And in particular, she's drawing from some of her time as a chaplain when she worked as a chaplain in a children's hospital. That's all part of seminary education that all pastors have to go through. And and so I just think she and I had a really interesting discussion uh, and some really unique perspective from Rita on this topic of hope. So I really (laughs) hope you enjoy it. Here it is, a conversation with Rita. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Together for Good podcast. Thanks for listening. I am sitting down today with intern Rita Argus, friend of the show. Hello. And we're so glad to have uh, Rita's mother listening to this podcast because we know she is. (laughs) She loves it. She tells me every time that she listens to it. And uh, this is all part of the continued staff stories um, series that we've been doing, but also kind of adding this Advent theme of hope. And so I cornered Rita and said, we got to get you on the podcast. You haven't been on yet for the staff stories. And oh, by the way, you have to talk about hope this mm-hmm. week. And you rose to the challenge as you always do whenever we issue a challenge around here. And so, yeah, I mean, you want to kind of share this poem to start off, right? I do. I do. So this is a well-known poem by Emily Dickinson called Hope is a Thing with Feathers. And then we'll dive a little bit into it because I think that this will take us into a really good story that I have Cool. For you no, I'm looking forward to this. About hope, but... Um, So hope is the thing with feathers. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. So this is, you know, like I said, Mm. Emily Dickinson poem. It's a very Mm well-known poem, Um, but... Really beautiful. And it's, I I can't even remember where I first heard it. It feels like it gets thrown around a lot in Mm -hmm. reference to hope and other things. But you have an interesting relationship with it as as a millennial, right? (laughs) Uh, You obviously found this on social media. I did, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like this is one that comes up in English classes a lot. I don't, Uh but I don't think that that was where I first heard it. I first heard it when um, John Green, who's a young adult author and podcaster and YouTube person, personality, um, he spoke about it a number of times. Um, Most recently, though, he cited it on a TikTok that um, he duetted with a person who was at a really, like, dark moment in their life and they were like how can I find hope in this moment um when I'm just struggling so hard and just feel like I um don't know where to go and he said yeah that's the the tricky thing about hope is that um you know all around us is hope we hear often these like hopeful phrases of like um, hope that the weather is going to be good today, that, you know, Colorado, like, I hope it's going to be sunny. Um, you know, things happen for a reason. Things always get better. Uh, it's always darkest before the morning. Like, these are all really hopeful phrases. And yet, when you're in those uh-huh. really hard moments, 
those sentiments can be trash like not exactly not helpful um it almost makes you feel worse like you're like but yeah i need help right now i need that hope right now and like if you can't find it in those phrases um yeah well i mean it's it's just like like they're cliches right Mm -hmm. like that you, you listed off all of them we've all heard them before and that i think that's an interesting dynamic of hope is that it can feel really cliche. And when you really need hope, like it has to be real and gut level and visceral and it can't just be, you know, like empty carbs. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm mixing so many metaphors here. Um, which, yeah. <laughs> but so, and so I love that you're bringing up this point because I think it is like a part we have to acknowledge about hope is that if you're just kind of like, you know, like, oh, everything will be fine and, you know, just, just walk it off or, yeah, yeah this, this is happening for a reason, just how unhelpful mm-hmm. that can be yeah no i mean like this is not to bash the intentions behind people saying right right like obviously you know if someone's hurting you want to say something to them to help and so mm-hmm. often it's these phrases that come to mind but um they can be really hard to hear when you're in those situations even if if, if the intentions behind it are good and even if like the person's trying to help yeah um and so i think that's another piece that makes hope so tricky is like you want to be good with your intentions around hope and like spreading that hope, but how do you navigate that path of uh, giving people hope versus just giving them the hollow phrases? Right, which is a big part of our jobs, right? Like th- yeah. this is the weird balance. We have to walk into so many situations all the time where people are hurting and, and it's hard and, and it's hard to know what to say, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't, but for me personally, like I don't want to just like sugarcoat it I don't want to just give them something that they could have read on a bumper sticker somewhere. Yeah. And yet I don't always have the, the words to say. Like, I don't know how to point them towards hope when things are really looking dire and difficult. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've experienced that too, right? Like, my big thing, right, all pastors have to do our chaplaincy training. Yeah. And I know before we hopped on, you were kind of thinking, like, you've got some stories from that that kind of deal with this muddy issue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we do a chaplaincy program um that's kind of either like an intense course over a summer or you do a longer one over kind of a semester and so I did my chaplaincy program over a summer at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus Ohio um and so as you can imagine chaplaincy is very intense um and especially so at a children's hospital because um oh my gosh yeah yeah I mean no one wants to be in the hospital, but when a child's in the hospital, it's like even worse. Right. So, so um, your job was just to conti- continually walk into these types of situations yeah. we're describing of yeah. like people need hope, but right, it's obviously things have not gone well if a child is in the hospital right. nine times out of ten. Yeah, no, my job in all of that was like navigating with parents who are in some of like the hardest, most difficult, like hopeless times of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was interesting because you got the people who were very religious who, um, you know, wanted you to cite Bible verses and stuff that gave them hope maybe over these, some of the phrases. But then you also had, like, conversations with people who weren't religious at all. And, like, how do you be that hope in that room? Like, how do I bring hope into that room without reverting to, like, the empty phrases of oh, things happen for a reason. I'm sure it will get better. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Especially since, you know, I'm not the doctor, so I have <laughs> no idea what the prognosis right. no is like for this kid. Um, 
or anything like that. And uh, so, what do you do? Like, what did? Yeah, how did yeah. you get trained? Um, you know, at first, I you know I'm a type of person as an Enneagram one who always wants to walk into a room with a plan. Shout out. Um, <laughs> and so, at first, I found myself like, oh, like I'll. I'll walk in, I'll like, I have these phrases that I could say, blah, blah. And I found more and more like myself giving those up because um, there was almost a sense of hope that was brought into the room when you leaned into the like being lost in the wilderness-ness of, mm. um, of those conversations and like acknowledging their pain and acknowledging their suffering and acknowledging what they were lamenting, you know, and grieving, like, especially if a kid got sick and like they weren't able to celebrate a holiday or they weren't able to like be on a baseball team or those kind of things like navigating that with parents and like acknowledging those milestones that the parents yeah. weren't hitting with the child um that out of those conversations there was more of a sense of hope that was brought into the room than if I would have went in and been like oh you know it's always darkest before the morning and like yeah. Uh, or any of those phrases. Yeah, yeah. Um, or if I even had a prepackaged prayer or a Bible verse that I always went to, um, like those, those, just those conversations and like walking with them and uh -huh. accompanying them on their emotions gave them more hope than me even saying anything, which is kind of a weird, weird to like wrap your mind around of like that just showing up and walking with them. Right was and that accompaniment was more hopeful than saying the right words because and that was so much of the like deconstruction of how I thought chaplaincy was going to work and the rebuilding of how I thought chaplaincy was going to work um that was yeah. a part of the program but it was definitely a learning process to like put trust in the Holy Spirit and like put trust in that moment that uh -huh. this accompaniment was going to be like good for them. No, and I totally, I totally get it too. Like it's not, because it's not comfortable, mm -mm. even in the moment, even if you've done it a thousand times, because yeah. you still have that impulse of wanting to fix it. Yeah. And it's funny, I, I mean, I'm really encountering this a lot lately with my kids in just managing their emotions and their disappointments mm -hmm. and all of that and I just want to fix it or like help them be like come on like you don't need to get upset about this right like let, let's just yeah. reframe this and you can totally understand like this you know stuff happens it'll be okay because yeah. and these are minor circumstances and that's also why my impulse is just like get over it <laughs> um, but yeah. that's not helpful no. at all no. and what is helpful is to have to like and it's helpful what is helpful is to step into the discomfort with them mm -hmm. and to say like to to name the emotion to validate the emotion like yeah this is really hard yeah and but but i don't want to do that like that's not also comfortable <laughs> for me which yeah. is the additional kind of irony to all of it so yeah in in more high pressure high stakes situations that you're talking about yeah. like i can imagine it's it's tenfold more just emotionally difficult to be able to maintain that space mm -hmm. and yet like you're saying that's where hope can actually be cultivated. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, there was a couple times. So one time I was um, called to a floor by a nurse um, because they were escalating care for um, a patient and the mom was not handling it well. Mm -hmm. um, it was just really hard for her to see her daughter go through that, which is understandable. And um, it was 
there was another time in like the emergency department that was similar where they were like escalating care and the parents weren't taking it well and um we would be called into those situations by the doctors or nursing staff because they got uncomfortable in those situations like they didn't know how to navigate that and so they would call in the chaplain because they were like we can do the medical side and like this is they were really great at their job and really compassionate totally, and everything yeah. like that but like in some of those situations they're like we can do the medical side we can kind of walk with these people but like when they're acting out of emotion or you know if people are grieving mm -hmm. like some people express their grief in very vocal and dramatic ways and that kind of freaked people out um on the staff and so we were called in to just walk with those people and also walk with the staff too which was um also interesting of yeah like okay we're just going to give this person their space um, we're going to put them in a room with me and like, we'll walk through the stuff, um, and that kind of thing. And so that the staff could do their job. Right. Um, and also like get that person the care that they needed in that moment rather than, um, just being shoved to the side by the staff. Cause they're like, we need to do our job here. Right. Um, there is a medical emergency. Yeah. Yeah. That um, needs to become first priority, but emotions complicate everything. Right. 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 Interesting. But, um, but it was also just like interesting to be called into those situations where people, you could tell that the staff like was really super uncomfortable with what was happening and you might also be uncomfortable, but you have to be the calm presence in that room and like yeah. be that again, like bringing in that hope in that room and bringing in um, like whatever that hope might look like in that situation. Um, and even if you were uncomfortable and even if you were like, I don't know what I'm doing in this moment, just like showing up and stepping into that people are like oh yeah that's what you're supposed to do um and that was mm. weird to get used to too of like even if internally i was like i don't know what i'm doing i hope this is working <laughs> <laughs> it's more than what was being done before so totally just by showing up so um but it was it was just what? like fun to navigate that too i guess i mean i think that's also part of the thing too at least that i've learned over my career is like not putting that pressure on myself either of thinking that I'll be the one that like emotionally fixes the entire situation. Yeah. You know, so I will help and it's probably not going to be this ray of light that suddenly puts everything in perspective mm -hmm. and now it's all good. Uh, I, I hope so, but yeah. it, it, it's not likely. That's pretty uh, idealistic of me and, and maybe even a little egotistical to think that I could be the one that just <laughs> solves the all the emotional trouble that one is in the midst of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just good to kind of put that in perspective. Like, you're, um, you know, to use a baseball analogy, right? Like you're, you're, you're hitting singles, you know, uh, right? like you're not yeah. swinging for the fences. Yeah. You're just going to hit some singles and hope to get the runs in. Um, I mean, I will, I will say like, so like the mom that I was talking about, um, like I ended up seeing her a couple other times over the summer and whatnot. And then at the end of the summer, I was making my rounds and saying goodbye to the people who were still in the hospital and like, mm -hmm. we're going to be there for a while. And um, when I sat down and I was like, um, so I'm gonna be leaving. Like I was just an internship for the summer. Like, you know, there's other people on staff who um, are happy to like take over where mm -hmm. I left off. Like I made left them notes and that kind of thing. So like saying um, goodbye. Well, she, looked at me shocked and I was like thinking I said something wrong or whatnot and she said um she's like I can't believe you were an intern I thought you've been doing this for like 20 30 years no way and I was like oh, good for you Rita yeah well no it was just in that moment like I mean every situation that I walked in with her I 
question whether or not like this is what she needed was I you know being that hope in the room was I being that calm presence was I giving her space that she needed and um it wasn't until that final conversation that anything was validated <laughs> and so I, I I mean I just I bring yeah. that up like not to like pat myself on the back but I bring that up as like you are going to go in the, these situations too and not know how the person is taking how you're navigating with them or how you're right. helping with them or um like what what they're hearing in that space and you might never get to know that if you know if they would have left the hospital a week earlier yep and i didn't say goodbye to them um i might have never known that like mm -hmm. <laughs> um and so i think that's that was just like an interesting thing to navigate too in that of like um the turnover and not necessarily knowing how your presence was taken yeah. in every situation. Well, and it's it, it, what you're getting at too is just the the real the way that hope is so hard to pin down. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, and that's one side of it. But even I'm sure, like for possibly even that mother in in the midst of it, didn't recognize until you told her that she you know that you were leaving. Yeah. How how helpful you've been walking her along the way, and I right like hope just has that. I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but it's not, you're not always able to recognize it in the moment, mm -hmm. but it's kind of looking back. It's like, oh, wait, like that's where things started to turn. And, and I didn't totally feel it, yeah. but I just kept walking through it. And I know like John Green kind of said something about that too, right? Yeah, because he pointed out in, um, so in the Emily Dickinson poem, uh, the first like paragraph, the end of it ends with, um, and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Um, and so, you know, this is referencing back to hope and that there's always, hope is always around us. Hope is always singing that tune, um, whether or not we're able to hear it. And I think mm. to me that, um, like distinction was really helpful to hear him say that of like, you know, hope is always present and always singing its song and always around, but yet, um, we might be caught up so much in our own stuff and our own problems and our own hurt and our own lostness yeah. and everything that we either forget to listen for that tune of hope or we just like can't hear it because maybe all the other noises around us are so much louder and are just catching our, intention, our attention more than the, the tune of hope. Yeah, I think that's really true and really uh, just a good a good reminder as well um, that sometimes you just kind of have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. Whether it's as the chaplain stepping into the situation and just keep showing up yeah. or it's as the person like daring enough to continue forward even if you can't fully put your finger on the hope just yet and mm -hmm. where that's going to come from. And the, neither of these are easy situations. No. But I think it's just the reality of, yeah, human existence and the human predicament that we find ourselves in these spots every now and then. Yeah. Where, yeah, you just don't know how to keep moving forward. But if you do, maybe you'll kind of stumble into some semblance of understanding or, or hope along the way. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, uh, you. we are kind of talking about what we were going to talk about and, uh, for this podcast and stuff a little bit before we were recorded a yeah. little behind the scenes um <laughs> <laughs> behind the curtain <laughs> how the sausage is made um but uh 
you know, we were talking about how we see hope in the world today. And, um, and I said, I it was coming up with a couple different ideas. And one of them is like, oh, I see hope in like people are gathering. But yet, now everyone is sick. I mean, I think most of the face formation team is out today because Correct. they're all sick. <laughs> so, Everybody's getting sick. Um, and so then that like puts a damper on that hope. And um, and then also just thinking like more serious things of um, the shooting in Colorado Springs and in um, Virginia and um, yeah. other mass shootings. And yeah, like COVID's still a thing. People are getting the flu. Um, you know, people are being hospitalized for different things. And like sometimes, um, or like for me, I guess right now, it's a little hard to hear that tune of hope. Um, but in the same sense, I think that's very apropos that our theme for Advent this year is looking at hope in different locations. Because mm-hmm. I think it's bringing my attention, at least for a couple hours on Sunday morning, back to that tune of hope that is running through everything, even if I am having a hard time hearing it during the week because I'm hearing the news stories or I'm um, seeing suffering, like seeing the person uh, on the side of the street that's hungry or homeless. Yeah. or um, And, yeah, and so, like, even if I don't hear that tune during the week, I think it's nice to be brought back to it on Sunday morning um, and just keep reminding me of that tune of hope. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing all that and just your honesty with it too of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard year and it's a hard situation in our country and in our world. And yeah, yeah people, you, 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 dear listener, might not be feeling very hopeful and that's okay too. Yeah. But the, the hope <laughs> for all of this is that um, by turning our focus to that theme, mm-hmm. that that maybe how, how did he say that that maybe we'll un, we'll start to recognize how that tune is still there, yeah, and we just can't hear it at moments, yeah, yeah. Um, well, what gives me hope, intern Rita, <laughs> is people like you, sincerely and honestly. I am really, you bring so much to the table, and we're so happy to have you here at Bethany for the rest of this year. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I'm hopeful for the future of the church, like that someone of your intellect and care and intentionality um, is stepping into lead churches somewhere. And it's sad that it won't be with Bethany <laughs> past May, but I'm really uh, excited for wherever that might be. You don't know yet, do you? You have no, no. ideas. I'm sure the I'm listeners. A, I'm approved for ordination. Hey, I'm congrats. Excited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know where. We're working on that paperwork now. So Excellent. Good luck on that. Um, and hey, you, dear listener, thank you for taking time to listen to this podcast for your support. Share it with family and friends. Spread hope this Advent season, and above all, stay in peace, everyone.